And uh, just FYI, this is not a new series. I think I'll start a new series next week, and it's going to be good. And uh, otherwise, we wouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, but today, I have, I have a, a, a single message I want to share with you. Just, uh, it has to do with what we are called to do. It has to do with why the Lord has us here at this time and what we're to be involved in and engaged with. And uh, in short, you've heard me say many times that the Lord sent us here to bring life to people. And uh, I know that's a very broad statement, but we recognize that death is the, is the, you know, the single problem that's in our world today. Not only spiritual death, but death reigns in people's lives and their bodies and their marriages and their finances and all kinds of areas. Death really eats away. And Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so we seek to bring God's life to people. And uh, I, I recognize this, that each person who partakes of anything from God, like the life of God, they then are able to uh, be a carrier of that gift or of that life, and they can minister that to others, all right? And that's ministered through word, it's ministered through our behavior, through our love, it's ministered uh, even through just prayer and the laying on of hands. You can transmit what God has given you to someone else to bring life to their life. And, and, and so uh, my desire is not here just to build a team, uh, excuse me, I said that wrong, just to build a a group, a gathering of people, but rather to build a team of ministers. All right. Now, if that's a new sound to you, I don't mean that everyone is called to be a pastor or everyone's called to be an evangelist or a, an, a prophet or something like that. But all of us are called to both receive from God and to give what we have received, that we would not be swamp-ish just on the receiving stinky end right? But we are to have an inflow and an outflow. We are to be receiving from God constantly and then be a vessel that he uses to minister to others, all right? So I'm interested in and desirous to, to build our church as a, again, a team of ministers where all of us have a function, all of us have a role, all of us recognize that we not only can be, but God wants to use us to reach other people, to minister to others. And when you find that niche and find that place where you are used of God, it will tremendously elevate your own life. And, uh, and so this is part of what we're doing. When a person fully recognizes how much God has given them, when you recognize and, and notice how much he has forgiven you of and how much he has blessed you with, uh, you then uh, are, are, are usually very much of a willing participant to be used of God to reach someone else. You, you remember when Jesus taught uh, the principle that those who are forgiven much, love much, forgiven much, 
love much. My goal is not to get people to go out and do as many bad things as possible so they'll love God more once they're forgiven. However, I do think it would do us well to all be very, very aware and conscious of the fact that we are forgiven. I mean, how many know even if you consider your sins small compared to someone else's, it doesn't really matter because all have sinned and come short of God's glory. If you've broken one commandment, you've broken the whole law, as the Scripture says. And so uh, a little bit of sin will separate you from God just as much as a lot of sin will. And so uh, every one of us who have received eternal life, we have been forgiven much. Okay, the more we're aware of that, the more we are likely to love much and then be available to God. And there's something about it that says, what I got, I didn't deserve. What I received, I didn't earn that, but I have it anyway. Someone shared with me when I was a turkey, you know, when I was going the wrong way and rebellious and hard-hearted and God loved me anyway and changed me anyway and gave to me anyway, I I need to help others. I need to share that with someone else who was once like me. That's a right heart. That's a right response. Um, That's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, One of the things that Jesus said to his disciples as he was in his earthly ministry, as he he was sending them out, it, it reads over in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, Jesus said to them, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. How many think that, that, that statement there applies to our lives as well? Freely you have received. If, if you've received anything from God, you know how much you paid for it? El zero, zippo, nada, nothing. No, it was a gift. It was the grace of God that gave you. Anything you have from God, it was freely given to you. So what's our response to that? We then freely give. Praise God. And so uh, I had been thinking about our church and seeking the Lord and asking questions about who we are to reach. I know in one very real sense, we, we could say, well, we're here to reach everybody. And that's true. And what I'm about to say, it does not disqualify does not undo that statement. We're here to reach everybody. Our doors are open to everyone. Uh, I know it's very common in, a, in the business world for businesses to target certain segments of the population. And sometimes God will even call uh, someone in ministry to target and reach certain peoples in a certain place and a certain land. And so uh, we want to reach everyone. I mean, when I say that, everyone that we come in contact with, everyone that can get here or we can get to them, uh, that's who we want to reach. But I began to think about this on a, in a more descriptive manner and say, well, who specifically are we to bring life to? Who specifically can we touch with the Word of God, the power of God, the love of God? And, 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 and here's, how it, here's how, how it laid out in my own mind. And as it came up in my heart, I recognized that there are three uh, specific areas, three specific descriptions of the individuals that we're trying to reach. All right, And it goes like this. Some of this will seem elementary to you, but nevertheless, we've got to keep our eye on the ball. Okay, Number one is we want to reach the lost. Okay, We're here to reach the lost. How many know lost is a real condition? It's a serious condition. Biblically, the lost would be uh, those who are unbelievers, those who are unsaved, 
those who are unregenerate. Uh, there's a number of different ways and different terminology that the Bible uses to describe them. Um, they could be called spiritually dead. See, I used to be all that. If you're saved, you used to be all those yourself, uh, spiritually dead or separated from God. But Jesus told us why he came. And in, in Luke 19 and verse 10, he said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. All right. Lord Jesus, why did you come? I came for lost people. He recognized the great need of humanity and said, I'm coming to find them. I'm coming to save them. I'm coming to bring salvation to lost people. Now, is it true that in his ministry that he also uh, gave to the poor? Yeah, that's true. If you read and study the scriptures, you'll find out the, the disciples, they had a treasury. They had a treasurer. He was a thief, but uh, Judas, you know, remember he was skimming from the till. And, uh, but they had money. Contrary to popular religious teaching, Jesus and his disciples didn't walk around as beggars and poor and they, they didn't have anything. No, they have supporters. You can read, it's written right there in the scriptures. They had people that gave to their ministry. So they weren't poor. They weren't broke. They had money and they actually did give to those who had need. They weren't the poor. They were giving to the poor. Yeah, that was part of his ministry. But Jesus didn't say, that's what I came to do. I mean, that wasn't the main reason. That wasn't the main purpose and function of his ministry. He came for salvation. That's the greater need. That's the bigger need. If you've ever had financial problems or you've had health problems or anything like that, I don't, you know, minimize that. Those are real problems. But it's not the problem. The problem is spiritual death. The bigger issue is when someone is separated from God and they leave this life, then they're in trouble. Right? And so, and so Jesus came uh, to do that. Uh, I know in the world today, society likes to reduce the church down to a humanitarian organization. And, uh, well, we're good for society only to the degree that we help the poor. Or we are there when disasters are taking place and we're, you know, helping individuals in that manner. And don't get me wrong, we want to do all that. We do that. I mean, not that we're having those natural disasters here, but uh, but we have we we give food to the poor and 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 give money to we do all that. But they want to say, no, that's the only thing you're good for. That's not our main purpose. We want to love people, period, in all areas of life. But what's our main purpose? Salvation. Our main purpose is spiritual in nature, and we do that through meeting people's natural needs sometimes. But our goal, Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to preach the kingdom. Not just preach, God accepts everybody exactly where they are. No, no, no. Preach God's ways. Don't preach acceptance of man's ways. We preach change. We preach his life, not our life. We preach he has a better way, not God will accept our way. Amen. That was bonus. But he came to give us what we could never get on our own. And so as a church, life church, that's our mission as well. We're never going to stop. We're never going to quit. If someone calls us names and says you're this and that and the other and we're just still going to preach Jesus loves you, he died for your sins and he was raised from the dead and he wants you to have eternal life. That's, we're never going to get away from the main thing. No matter what our revelation is, and thank God he gives us more and more understanding, uh, that's always the central message. It's, it's the primary focus of our lives. It is what changed each and every one of us. Uh, I know I constantly hear, and I have over the years, 
continue to hear this. Individuals come to our church that are already believers. And one of the things that touches their heart the most is the constant flow of people coming and being born again in our services. And and I just know that for the Christian, there's something in there that registers. Something in there that your, your spirit screams out, yes, because you know what happened to you. You see it happening to someone else, and there's something of that that is just so of God. And so we want to continue. We want to crank it up. We want to, we want to reach more than we ever have before. We are always going to keep our heart for the lost. And I believe if we do that, God's blessing will continue to be on this house because that is the heart of God. Amen. Praise God. And so uh, we want to reach the lost. Secondly, though, who else do we want to reach? How does this, uh, how is this divided or, or described? Is we want to reach the hungry. The hungry. Now, when I, I use that word hungry, I'm not using it from a physical hunger standpoint where we're finding people who don't have physical food. But I'm talking about desire. Those who desire more. I've been walking with the Lord, so I've seen a few things. And one thing I've noticed is that I never get to the end of him. I never exhaust him. I never have never come to a place where I know it all, have seen it all, have experienced it all. He's just infinite. And the scripture even tells us even in the ages to come, he'll still be showing us his grace and kindness. And, and so thousands of years from now, millions of years from now, whatever that looks like, you won't have exhausted him. And, uh, and there are certain individuals, believers, they're already saved. And down on the inside of them, they know that's there. And some have received salvation, and they stop right there. They're going to heaven, thank God, but their relationship with God is super surfacy. It's very, it's very shallow. I don't mean because of their intent or they have a, they're just a shallow person, but they just don't know more. They don't know what's available. They, and if they know it's out there or they have this inkling inside of them that it's out there, they don't know how to get it. And I think one of the reasons the Lord has raised us up and he's put it in my heart is he wants us to take people deeper. He does. Jesus said over in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. Now, uh, if a person is physically hungry, how many know if you're hungry enough, uh, nothing else matters? You are (laughs) single-minded. We are going to get some food. Yeah, if you're hungry enough, you kind of set everything else aside, and you are going after the fulfillment of that hole in your stomach. Uh, likewise, it is true that uh, when you have a knowing, a stirring inside of you spiritually, that there is more in God that he wants you to have, that there is something else that's out there that you've not known, not, not have, you've not experienced, or maybe you just simply recognize in your own life that there is a, there is a spiritual deficit, not because you haven't been born again, but just because you know there's something more, there's something else for you to know and experience in God. I'm interested in ministering and helping individuals like that. Uh, I have a constant desire in me and uh, uh, for, for to know him more and to walk with him very closely. Uh, how can I say this a different way? If people don't really 
care about God much. I'm talking about Christians now, believers. They don't really care about God much. I'm not really interested in going after them. Now, I'm here for them. Anyone who's not really hungry (laughs) can come here. They just make it harder for me to preach. (laughs) Because I stand up and they're looking at their phone the whole time and talk, talk. I'm not talking about your scriptures, so relax. Although some of you know what you're doing, huh? <laughs> but they don't have any really desire to go further and know and learn and grow and increase and experience God. And it's just kind of, you know, that creates an atmosphere for a preacher that's very difficult because it's really, it really has an impact. Uh, but when people are expectant and hungry and say, Lord, speak to me, talk to me, and talk to the people around me, let the Spirit of God move in this house, that's the place I want to preach. Uh, there's, there's something in there that makes it very easy because God will answer you through me. He will answer you through who is ever ministering. And that's good. It's nice. I love that flow. Uh, but many in the body of Christ today simply lack, a, lack revelation knowledge. Okay, They've come into the saving knowledge of Jesus, but they don't have much understanding beyond that. They don't have much revelation. Um, unfortunately, in my opinion, many churches in our day only present a very surface-level experience with God. And it, it leaves believers starving for truth. There's something in there saying there is more out there. And uh, I'm not called to pass judgment on other churches, and, and uh, I'm for them and not against them. Anyone who's preaching Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are in this together. I just know for the, what we're supposed to do is I need to bring both milk and meat Okay, we need, always need to bring the milk of God's word because baby Christians will always be present. If they're not, we're doing something wrong, right? There will always be baby Christians among us, but then there also will be the mature. And how many know sometimes you need more than a bottle? You need some meat, need something to chew on, need some, some spiritual steak uh, to cause your spiritual life to go to the next level. E- even when I think of subjects like apologetics, uh, I know some groups, they spend all their time talking about defending the, the gospel, and it usually goes into how to, how to answer the evolutionist and, and how to answer this question and this objection. And, and some of that can be of value. I, personally, I, I enjoy that, and I love to study those things as well. But that's not going to cause a person to grow. For the believer just to learn that, they'll be prepared to defend on certain levels. But that's not the food they need to, spirit, to spiritually experience God on a higher level. Amen. And, and, and so these are some of the things we're aware of. You know, the Bible uses this language and talks about the deep things of God. Uh, that might sound, uh, you know, well, that's just for weird people. They're always wanting to go into the deep things of God. No, I've met the weird people that want to do that. And, uh, but that, that's, still, that's still a scripture. Uh, in fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.10, For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. That, what, what does that tell me? If nothing else, deep exists. And deep is not weird, it's not phony, it's not flaky, it is something that really is in God. And if there's a deep, there's a shallow. If it's all the same depth, then there wouldn't be a description at all, it's just God or not. It's all the same. No, if there's a deep in God, there's a shallow in God, and if someone doesn't go into the deep things of God, they'll remain in the shallow things of God. Huh? 
And, and, and so I was, I was thinking of these, these scriptures. This is more of a, uh, an analogy as opposed to the literal of, of this text. Um, but over in the book of Luke chapter 5, uh, Jesus had borrowed Peter's boat to preach because the crowds were there and he wanted to be out on the water. And so uh, how many know if, if you let the Lord use your boat, it's going to turn out well for you? That's still true today. You let the Lord use your boat today, meaning your stuff for kingdom purposes. Uh, God blesses that. And, and this is what happened when he had stopped speaking. He said, said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. All right, And so the Lord was bringing a blessing back into his life. But I wanted you to consider that from a spiritual standpoint. There are things out in the deep that don't exist by the shore. I don't know how many of you have been deep sea fishing. I'm not really so much of a fisherman, but I, I, I bet you could tell some stories about some, some catches out there that never existed when you were sitting by the edge of the lake. Right? There's, there, there are some different types of um, experiences out there in the deep. You can catch some things that you won't catch in the shallow waters. Right? Likewise, it is true in our spiritual life that if we will launch out into the deep, there are some experiences with God. There are some revelation. There are some understanding that just are never going to take place if you're always by the shore. And I have a desire. Not only to go there, to be there myself, but to lead individuals who desire more. A depth of knowledge, a depth of an experience with God's Word. And, uh, and if you have that desire, well, you're one of the ones I believe our church was sent to reach. We want to help people go into the deeper things of God. And, uh, and so if you're hungry, mm-hmm, get ready, get ready, get ready. Amen. Amen. And then number three. Now, this is real important. Number three. Who are we to reach? We are to reach the loved. We are to reach the loved. Here's what I mean by that. I'm talking very specifically about the people that you care about. I am talking about your family. I am talking about your friends. Individuals that are in your life that you want to know what you know and to know the Savior that you have been saved by, that you have a desire for them to not miss heaven. We exist for them, for you, for them, people who you love. Now, if you would, I haven't had you turn to any scriptures yet, but go to Acts chapter 16, Acts the 16th chapter. And I, I want to bring out this point to you in, as the final point of today. But when someone is in your family, when someone is in your life and you care about them, it seems to me in studying Scripture that they carry a special importance to God as well. And, and it, sometimes it might be hard to explain that because I know God loves everybody. For sure He does. I know that, that the Lord, uh, that Lord Jesus died for the sins of the world. 
He died for everybody's sins. So I am absolutely not excluding anyone when we say this, but I am putting a spotlight on a particular group and saying, if you know them, and if you care about them, and if you love them, and if you are praying for them, they are getting heaven's, heaven's attention. God is going to move heaven and earth to get to those individuals because, think about this, of your relation to them. Now look over here in Acts chapter 16. It says in verse 25, because Paul and Silas were in the, in the innermost prison for preaching the gospel. They're in, in stocks and they were singing and praising God and everything. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, uh, awaking from sleep uh, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners has, had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. In other words, he knew he was in big trouble if the prisoners got away on his watch. Verse 28, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called, uh, he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is cool. God moves, the place shakes, the doors open and the prisoner recognizes <laughs> uh, this is God. And what, what's his response? I need to get right with God. I need to get saved. Conviction comes into his life. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Look at the next phrase. You and your household. You and your household. The household wasn't even there. He said, you and your household. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, and this scripture is not saying, that just because the jailer got saved, that the rest of his family were automatically forced into believing. How many know that's a personal response? Everyone must believe for themselves. My family is not saved because I am. They're saved because they believe. But I still want you to, to notice this emphasis. Verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Why did the house hear the gospel? Because of him. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were baptized. What a glorious day. The whole family got saved. The whole family then got baptized in water. Verse 34, now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. There seems to be, like I said, an emphasis in scripture on God moving in one person's life and because of their acceptance, because of their embrace, this guy's response, what must I do to be saved, that the favor of God seems to extend to those that are important to them. If you're familiar at all with uh, the Old Testament story of Jericho, remember Joshua fought the battle of Jericho? Uh, before that happened, 
Israel sent spies into the land to spy it out. And remember, they came upon a woman named Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. Uh, uh, She was a sinful person. But what she did do is she believed the report about Israel and about God giving that city to them. Do you know what happened as a result of, of Rahab believing? Is she was saved. She was spared from the destruction of that city. But do you know also who was saved? Is everyone in her household. She believed and all those in her household benefited from her faith and from her belief. Over in the in the New Testament, uh, Paul the Apostle was uh, arrested in Jerusalem and he was being sent to Rome for trial. Remember, they put, they put him on a ship. He was arrested for, of course, preaching and so forth. Uh, they put him on a ship and he perceived as they got on that ship, he said, guys, this is not a good idea. I, he knew inside, there's going to be a problem here. There's going to be a great storm, and uh, we ought not do this. But, of course, he was subject to them, so they said, we're going anyway because the weather looks nice. And they got out there, and it was a horrible storm. It lasted for two weeks, and they would have all died, totally would have all died. In the middle of it, though, uh, Paul got a word from God. And uh, an angel showed up and talked to him and said, hey, uh, don't worry about it, man. You're going to live. And, by the way, you know who else is going to live? Everyone who's on this ship. And the ship was a prisoner ship. These weren't the model citizens in society. These were the thieves and the murderers and the crooks. And, uh, uh, you know, for the most part, they probably, other than Paul, they deserved to be there. But what happened? Paul, because of his relationship with God, because of what he believed, and it doesn't really say this, but I'm suspect of this, that maybe... Paul was praying for everyone on the ship. He was not only seeking God for his own deliverance, but everyone else. And you know what happened? Everyone on that ship got saved. And if Paul wasn't there, no, they wouldn't have been. Do you know why some people are in the kingdom today? Say, well, because Jesus died for them. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus died for everybody. You know why some people are in the kingdom today? Because someone else prayed for them. And that's the reason their mind was opened. That's the reason they saw the truth. And then, of course, they had their responsibility to receive, to repent, to get right with God. Uh, But it's because of someone else's involvement. I I see this uh, again and again. There's something about the people we love that God will move in their life in a special way because we pray for them, because we love them and we're in the family. I know this. The Lord wants you to be in heaven and me to be in heaven and everyone in your family to be in heaven and other people that you care about and love. and, and, and are, that, That's the truth. I mean, again, say, well, he wants everyone. Yes, but there's an emphasis on you and your household. There's a, 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 a minister um, that used to live right here in Boise uh, years ago and pastored a church here. His name was uh, Roland Buck. And, and he had um, some revelations from God. I believe the time frame was right during the late 70s. And he was ministering here. And, 
And he had some experiences with God where the Lord was giving him revelations and, and so forth through angels. Angels walk in his room and talk to him about uh, various things, explaining how things worked. And some of the things that he learned were very interesting to me because it goes right along these lines. And it had to do with how the angels of God would work on people who were family of those who are already saved. And when they would pray for them, when me, someone like myself, someone like you would pray for someone close to them, they were, they were given special attention by the angels of God. And in fact, one of the, some of the things he said, uh, just so I can say it correctly, he said he is going to do everything necessary to bring people to the point where it will be easy for them to make the choice to serve him. He is on the job and has released the forces to bring about circumstances which would make it hard for these people to resist God. This is awesome. He, he went on to say, as the Spirit draws and calls people, they often refuse to listen and strenuously object. But the angels don't listen. They have orders to bring people to a point of either accepting or rejecting Jesus. If they refuse, the angels start the cycle over again and again and again as directed by the Spirit. How many times do we battle and we deal with discouragement because, man, I've been praying for my kids, I've been praying for my parents, been praying for my brother, my sister, uh, I've been praying for this person at work, my neighbor, and every time something comes up, it seems like they have zero interest and we allow discouragement to set in. Don't. Don't. I can't, I don't mean that we could force them to receive, but we can make it really difficult for them to say no. Because if we will adopt this, and, and this is how the angels of God work, this is how the Spirit of God works, we do the praying and the, the believing, and God goes to work. Yes, people reject Him. Yes, a bunch of us rejected Him, and then later accepted Him. And if people say no, what does that mean? That means it's coming back at you again. It means circumstances are being arranged and the angels are working to bring about and to remove all obstacles and every hindering force and they're going to come into direct contact again with the gospel, with the love of God, with God's plan for their life. And what if they resist again and again and again? It's going to be a long life. stinks to be you. <laughs> Why? Because people love you enough to pray and stand and believe God that this is going to happen. I want to encourage you. Don't be discouraged. Don't let up off the gas pedal. Praise God and thank Him every day that, that, he, that God is working on behalf of your loved ones to bring them into the kingdom. Amen. And you can see there is a special place. Why are some people saved and others not? Well, there could be many answers, but here's one. Somebody prayed for that person and no one prayed for that one. 
I mean, amazing that, that really an eternal direction and destination is hinging upon this, but it really is. I don't know where I would be without people praying for me. I, I, I mean, honestly, I just don't know. But I know the prayers of others have impacted and helped me tremendously. And I know that many people are going to come into the kingdom of God in the Treasure Valley right here because we take the time and say, Lord, they're important to you. They're important to me. And I'm going to pray until I see them saved, until they come into the kingdom. Amen. And God wants to work this in us and through us. And, and because I see this as the heart of God, I also recognize this is what we're called to do. As a church, as believer, as your pastor, I want you to know, I want your family saved. And I know I don't want them saved as much as you want them saved, or, but I'm with you. And I want to do whatever we can do outside of breaking the law, you know. I want to do whatever we can do to reach your loved ones. And thank God we're not alone. It's not just human effort. We have the Spirit of God who can get in there where no one else is. We have the angels of God who are, are at work to draw people and bring them to a point where they can accept or reject. And, uh, and this is a good place to be. Amen. Praise God. Today, here's how we're going to finish. Um, I'm going to come back to this. So we're going to do our, what we normally do. And then we're going to finish with this. And we're all going to pray as we end our service today. We're going to pray for people in our, our lives, family, friends. And we're going to pray for their salvation and for them to know the Lord. Amen.